I'm Shanna Hutchison, dietitian, blogger, and mama, born and raised in the heart of the Midwest. I believe that wellness goes way beyond what we eat and that our body size does not determine our worth. I'm passionate about showing other women how to live a life they truly love, one that feels purposeful, that helps them feel their best physically, mentally, and emotionally, and that being a mom can be one of the best things you ever do without it becoming your entire identity. This is a place you can come to hear vulnerable and interesting conversations about health and wellness, motherhood, entrepreneurship, and more. If you want to find freedom with food, learn how to improve your overall well-being, and stop waiting for a number on the scale to start living your best life and go after your goals, then you're in the right place. I'm so excited to learn and grow together. This is the Wellness for the Win podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we have a very cool, interesting, and different conversation planned for you. I am sitting down with Andrea Arlotti from Infinite Possibilities in Kansas City, and she is just going to be a wealth of knowledge in a really cool topic. So I'm going to just go ahead and kick it right off to you to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are, your experience, you know, everything you do, and how and why you kind of got into this space. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here talking about my favorite subject, my passion, which is the nervous system, healing, and also empowering women. Like you said, my name is Andrea Arlotti. I'm a mind-body integrative practitioner and trauma specialist. And my focus is on calming and balancing the nervous system after long-term stress and trauma. And by guiding my clients to integrate and reconnect their brains, their bodies, and their minds for healing. Um, I have a master's degree in speech language pathology, extensive training in a modality called MNRI, which looks at the body's primary or primitive reflexes and reintegrating those back into the body. I also incorporate somatic experiencing, interoception, which is awareness within our body, polyvagal approaches to healing. I have a 500 hour um, yoga practitioner and with an emphasis in trauma sensitive yoga And then probably the most important is I've walked my own trauma journey and healing journey, and I've learned what supported me along the way. And now I have a passion to share that and guide others to empower them to live the life they deserve, a life that to thrive. That's amazing. I love all of that. It kind of gave me goosebumps to just to hear some of that. But (laughs) it's cool that you have so much, you know, experience working with people in this space, but also having also the personal experience. I think that helps to come from a place where you're able to relate to people who are going through trauma, um, especially because it it can be such a heavy thing. And it very much sounds like it ties into a lot of the things that I'm very passionate about as well, which is, you know, encouraging people to really get in tune with their bodies so they can fuel their bodies properly through nutrition and move their bodies in a way that feels good. So yeah, definitely sounds like it'll be a very relevant conversation and kind of tie into just overall like learning how to care for yourself you know and care for your body and number one thing is that self-care self-compassion and finding that love within ourselves and and like you said listening and getting more in tune with our bodies Mm -hmm. Um, and so we'll talk yeah more about that later absolutely Absolutely. Yes. So many, so many good things. I'm already excited. Perfect. So (laughs) let's just go ahead and and jump right in. So we talked about, you know, offline, a few things that we wanted to touch on today. And one term that I wanted to kind of begin with, because I think a lot of people are familiar with the concept of fight or flight response. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of expanded upon that and used a couple of other phrases within that. So I'd love to hear more about just the fight or flight response in general, but maybe other concepts that people aren't aware of that kind of come into the equation as well. Perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. And first I want us to all take a moment 
um, with that connection with self and just send our bodies gratitude for everything that they do for us each and every day. I think as women, especially, we have such negative self-talk and can be in such a struggle with our bodies in so many different ways, especially, you know, if we're trying to get pregnant or just had a baby. And the more that we can bring in that compassion and love for ourselves, that's the key to start shifting and healing and reconnecting. So I just want to honor like a moment before we start as all these things, you know, which could be triggering or could bring up some shame and guilt. This is about a loving environment where we come with compassion. Um, so some terms though, that I think are really important before we even get into fight, flight, or freeze is the term trauma. A lot of words around trauma are coming up more, especially after, um, COVID and shutdowns and things like that. And, and the, and the stress that we all endured as a collective. And so when we talk about trauma, there are, you know, many times people think this has to be like a big natural event or a natural disaster or someone going off to war. But there's two types of trauma that we wanna be mindful of. There's big T trauma and little t trauma. So big T trauma are all those bigger events, you know, a car accident, a medical procedure, you know, a traumatic birth, either for a child or for the mom, um, loss, divorce, you know, past abuse, bullying, um, you know, and if we think about traumas, you know, even if it are, if they are these more like little t traumas, the more we layer those on top of each other, that creates more havoc on the body and makes it more difficult for the body to return to what we'll talk a little bit more about, but our homeostasis or our, our ventral vagal place. Um, so when we talk about those traumas, it's not necessarily what happens, it's how the body perceives that trauma. So what may seem like a trauma to myself, you may look at and say, oh, that's really not a big deal. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't see what the problem is, but for that person and their individual body, depending on their history and how many other things have happened in their lives, their body could perceive this as a huge trauma. And so that's where we want to be really mindful of those things that happen in our, in our bodies. A lot of times people will show up and say, you know, I have this pain in my body or I'm having gut issues. And when we go into looking at types of trauma, they, they have minimized certain things that have happened in their lives when these are pretty traumatic things. And sometimes what the body does to protect itself is it disassociates and it minimizes that until it's ready to process because it's too painful for it to process in that moment. Mm -hmm. um, so that shifts us into that fight, flight, freeze. And so what happens is what we need in our bodies is a sense of some sort of sense of control some predictability and consistency for the body to feel safe. And so when we start shifting out of that, if there's some type of trigger or some type of trauma, if we want to think of this as an animal in the wild, if an animal is just out in the wild and another animal is coming to attack it, it's going to do different things to protect itself. So this is our body's natural neurobiology. We want this. This is not something we don't not want this in our bodies. If right. a car is coming at us, we need to move out of the way. If someone's yeah. trying to do something to us, we need to fight back. So these things are very important. Um, so with that animal, let's say an animal, another animal is coming towards it. It's going to flight, right? It's going to run away to protect itself. If it gets caught, it's going to fight back to try to protect itself. If it is then caught and it can't fight anymore, it's going to go into a freeze state or a shutdown state. And so the, all of these things will happen in those states. Now, where the key is and, and what happens over long-term stress is that the body then gets stuck in those states and it doesn't know how to come 
come back. So those states are supposed to happen. And then our body is supposed to naturally bounce or rebound back to a ventral vagal or a calm present state over time as we you know, what happens is our body pools with cortisol and adrenaline that flushes through the system, but then we're supposed to come back down and calm. And what is happening to many of us because of the different things that have happened in our lives is we get stuck in those states and our bodies don't know how to guide them back out. Mm -hmm. Um, So I want to give just a couple examples of the different states so people can start to identify this. And, And like I mentioned before, no shame or guilt with this. We all go into these states at different points in our life and our relationships. And sometimes we, many of us have been stuck in these states and these are compensatory strategies that we use that helped us to create safety and whatever was going on in our lives. So flight may look like panic, fear, anxiety, worry, or that overactive mind that just can't calm down, always worried about something. Fight is going to look like rage, anger, frustration, maybe more of a combative type personality type or state. Uh, freeze is going to look like that exhaustion, adrenal fatigue, shutdown, depression, shame, guilt, hopelessness, or maybe that feeling of, of being trapped. And then one that we had talked about that a lot of people are unaware of is fawn. And so that fawn response, I see a lot of clients in my office, and typically that's due to past abuse or growing up in a toxic home, certain things like that. And so what we're going to see with that is a lot of people pleasing, really poor boundaries, difficulty saying no, abandoning yourself for others. So even though you may be totally exhausted, you're putting yourself aside to do things for other people, constantly apologizing or over-explaining, trying to feel heard. So those are the different, those are the four responses of all those, those four Fs, if you call them, uh, (laughs) different states. And the thing to be mindful of too, is we can oscillate between these states. So we could be in freeze and fight at the same time, or we can move between the two. And I was going to tell your listeners too, if they want to go on and see some charts, uh, they could go on my Instagram while we're talking about this. So it's Mm infinite possibilities heal. And I have charts on there. So while we look at this, there's a beautiful bell curve that follows the polybagel theory. And it can help to, to help you identify where you find yourself because that key in healing, not only with the compassion and love for yourself is to begin to notice when we go into those states, mm-hmm. because once we can notice, then we have the power to make the changes. But until we can really identify and feel that in our bodies, and we'll do a little practice with that later, but that's really the key to starting to shift out of those. Yeah, that's really helpful to just kind of walk through those. And I think we can all identify with some of those situations and, you know, instances where we've been in, in some sort of stress or trauma. And it kind of brought me to when you mentioned like, you know, our, our brains and our bodies protect us of like not processing certain things like in the moment. Like I know, for example, like when I had a miscarriage a few years ago, Mm -hmm. I feel like I, it's just, it's such a, interesting thing to reflect back on things like that because it in a way it feels like it didn't happen but it's just such a it's just weird you know Um, I know you know what I mean but it's hard to like verbalize what I (laughs) what I mean and it may be that you still haven't processed it because you're not ready to go there yet you know like again we just keep surviving and sometimes we get to a state and I can talk a little bit more later about my process and where I finally mm-hmm. realized, oh my gosh, my nervous system has been dysregulated since I was a child. Mm-hmm. And, and I had infertility and issues like that. And, and you can't even go to ground because you're just continuing to survive. And mm-hmm. 
And so, yeah, I'm so sorry for what you went through. And so many women have gone through that loss is, is really intense. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, you know, I know we'll kind of touch on some tools and strategies and stuff later, but, um, for me, I know like talking about it and processing it with others, you know, especially those who had been through something similar was really, really healing for me, but yeah, it is, it's just still kind of an interesting thing. And I, I'm kind of skipping ahead here because you mentioned having dysregulation starting in childhood. And I did get a few questions from people about that. You know, what is your perspective on trauma during childhood and what are the like lifelong effects of that? And, you know, how can we best support, you know, if we have our own child who's going through something like that, or if we maybe experienced that ourselves and didn't even recognize it, um, you know, what are some thoughts that you have on that? Yeah. And, and it's really interesting that we're learning so much more about what happens in utero and the stress that the mom is under while pregnant. And again, we're not looking at this with shame and guilt. If anything, this is empowering us to then make changes and take steps to support our loved ones, ourselves. But we can come into the world with trauma if there's a traumatic birth or something like that. And those are those kiddos that we see, you know, trouble sleeping or dysregulated or emotional reg- dysregulation. And so that was my story. My little guy was really struggling. And that's what actually brought along my healing and brought me to where I am today. And he had a very traumatic birth and my nervous system while he was in utero was, was stressful. And um, so he entered the world that way. And so, you know, a lot of things that we saw with him, again, like that emotional dysregulation, he didn't sleep. And so we were trying to figure out ways to help support him. And the really important thing when we think about this too, is we're co-regulators. So that's why it's so important for self-care and things like that, because what we bring into the situation, if we're in a calm state, we're helping to calm everyone around us. Mm -hmm. And so just by working on that with yourself and mindfulness, that can start to shift those around you. Um, But other things you might see in those kiddos, you know, ADD, ADHD, a lot of things. If you think about, so when our body's in those states, it's using all of its energy to protect itself. And a couple other key terms I'll I'll put in there while we're talking about this. So some people may have heard of the word hypervigilance. So our amygdala, which is a part of our brain, it it senses threat. And so when it senses that threat, it goes into a hypervigilant state. And if we're stuck in fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, we're constantly in hypervigilant state, scanning our environment, what is safe, who is safe. And so all of your energy is being used to do that on a daily basis. So that's where we start to see that breakdown in the body. And if we think of the kiddos, if they're using all their energy to keep them safe, how are they supposed to learn? How are they supposed to read? How are they supposed to play? And so all those things are not happening. And when we are in those states too, we shut off hunger. We shut off using the restroom. We shut off Mm -hmm. thirst. We shut off all that interoception or awareness in the body. So a lot of it is about bringing awareness back into the body, learning to shift the nervous system. And sometimes, you know, that's why I do the work I do. You know, I try to empower people and give tools as much as I can, but sometimes we need someone to help guide our body back, which is what that MNRI, the modality that I've really found has, has helped to shift all of my clients is when we reintegrate the body's primary or primitive reflexes, we're making those connections in the brain. And so the body, the nervous system, the sensory system can start to come back to calm. And I'm looking at starting to teach some classes, both online, but in person of how to teach moms, parents, et cetera, on how to do that on their kids, because Mm -hmm. you are with them all the time. And so if we're able to teach those calming strategies, then we're able to help our kids. So 
Okay, taking a quick break to tell you about one of my favorite snacks. If you're a busy mom like me, you probably eat random snacks while rushing from one thing to the next more often than you'd like. And if you're looking for an option that tastes delicious and actually provides some protein and keeps you full for a while, I highly recommend Aloha Bars. They have so many yummy flavors and no joke, I eat them all the time. Like my purse and car door are overflowing with wrappers. It's embarrassing. But anyway, all of the flavors that involve chocolate are my favorite. So especially peanut butter cup and chocolate chip cookie dough. They even have minis for those times when you need just a little something to hold you over. Another thing I love about these bars is that they're gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, and vegan. So they're a really great option for anyone who has food allergies or certain dietary restrictions. You can use my discount code wellness for the win for 15% off or use the affiliate link in the show notes to save. I hope you guys love them as much as I do. Okay, let's get back to the show. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, some of the things that you mentioned there too, just made me think of the fact that, you know, there's so much research too about like the gut brain connection. And like you mentioned, you know, when we're in that stressed state, our body is focusing only on the stress. So it takes the focus away from digestion and, you know, all these other important functions. Yeah. It's so fascinating. And, and once again, I'm skipping ahead, but all these things are just making me think of other stuff. I'm like, I want to talk about a lot about that too. Yeah. That's the thing that I learned, you know, about a year ago, and I struggled with gut issues when I was about 13 years old, chronic constipation, food allergies, food sensitivities, and so debilitating for those that really understand that gut brain connection. But Mm -hmm. if you think about the fight, flight, freeze connection with our gut, a couple of things. So when we're in fight or flight, most likely we're going to have loose stools, diarrhea when we're and, and unable to eat a lot of times. So that also can cause a lot of disordered eating and things like that. Um, then if we're in more of a free state, we might have more chronic constipation, which is not getting rid of toxins and things like that. And so also with that said, so there's sympathetic nervous system and parasympathetic nervous system. And so Our sympathetic nervous system is when we're triggered into that fight, flight, freeze response. And so when we have that, we cannot be in our parasympathetic, which is uh, rest and digest. And so if we're constantly in that, that is why it doesn't matter what we do for the gut. If we can't calm the nervous system, we can't shift into the parasympathetic to absorb our nutrients, to process our foods. So that just all of that is so intertwined and so, so important when we're looking at that gut. Yeah, absolutely. So, so important for people to realize, yeah, the impact of stress on all of these things. And so speaking of when, I guess, can you kind of touch on the the difference between, again, we're going to have stress inevitably in our lives, you know, little stressors from day to day, but the difference between, I guess, small stress and long-term or chronic stress and kind of the difference in, you know, the physiological things that are occurring and, um, and that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So short-term stress, if we think about it, like I talked about, and if you look at those charts, we do come up and we are triggered into the fight, flight, or freeze responses. The goal is, is that we rebound and come back down in a short period of time. Mm -hmm. And the more that we create new neural pathways in the brain and guide the brain back to that, it's going to go back easier. So those short-term stressors, like you said, that's, that's a part of everyday life. And it's learning the tools 
It's learning to notice when we start to feel activated in our nervous system and inserting those tools, whether it be breath or other tools that we'll talk about later. And again, it's how the body perceives that, but that long-term stress and the more we layer the traumas or stressors for a long period of time, our body will start to break down. And so when our body's pumped with that cortisol and adrenaline, like the animal running in the wild to try to get away, that keeps pooling in the body and we can't release it. And sometimes we'll see that people try to regulate on their own by becoming over-exercisers and things like that because that's that way to release the cortisol and adrenaline. That was something I learned early on in life. Like I didn't know what was going on in my body. So I exercised like crazy. But then what that does is, is it keeps you in that fight flight loop and you don't calm down. And that's where yoga very late in my life became a part of my life because I couldn't figure out other ways to regulate my nervous system. And so the problem with the long-term stress is we go into that fight flight and the state after that, when we've had so much cortisol and adrenaline running through our bodies is shut down. I mean, your body has to shut down in order or it won't survive. We can't have that much stress hormones running through our bodies. Mm -hmm. And so that's when we go into what is called a dorsal state, if you know about polyvagal theory or freeze, and that's that shutdown. And that's a lot of times where we see, you know, extreme exhaustion, adrenal fatigue, or or adrenal glands have just been taxed so much for so long. And then we start seeing other health issues like, again, infertility, disordered eating, autoimmune diseases, gut issues, trouble focusing, because if we think about it, a couple other really key concepts. And so when we go into that fight, flight, or freeze, some areas of our brain, so we have our brain stem, which is at the back of our brain, and they call that your reptilian brain, that's your survival brain. So when we're triggered, that is the only place we're operating in. And when we talk about relationships, I'll bring that in a little bit more, because that's so important to know the nervous system in our relationships. Mm-hmm. But when that becomes disconnected with the prefrontal cortex, our brain body is not online. And so that prefrontal cortex is where we have memory, problem solving, ability to focus. So again, when we're talking about our kiddos, trouble focusing, trouble with memory, trouble with learning, and even ourselves, sometimes we'll go, I just drove here and I have no idea how I got there. Or probably when you were experiencing your, you know, during the time after your miscarriage, you probably have time periods of time that you don't remember at all because your body was just surviving. Mm-hmm. And it's because there's that disconnect with the prefrontal cortex. And yeah. so again, just the body will continue to break down until we notice like, okay, something else is wrong here. And I truly believe, and I know I'm like, so into the nervous system, but I think that is such a key piece and a root cause for almost all the, the breakdowns that we see in the body, the challenges in the body, and there's multiple factors, but if we look at the nervous system, that's such a key factor. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, there's so many different things that come into play when it comes to our overall health, of course, diet and exercise and sleep and all of these things. But I, again, you know, and I, I preach it all the time too, that stress is huge. And admittedly, I myself need to focus on that too. You know, I think we all have room for improvement there. And, you know, I definitely have, yeah, a full plate and, but I do, you know, I do try to make it a priority to incorporate things that I know are good for stress management and, you know, getting outside and moving my body in a way that feels good and spending time unplugged and hanging out with friends and family, things like that. But yeah, it's tough. It's a tough balance. And, and, you know, one of the programs that I'm doing right now, it's a 22 day opportunities. And it's about putting in self-care, a little meditation, growth writing every day. And where can we create those healthy habits, no matter what's going on in our lives? Cause we are all going to have stressors. That's just mm-hmm. life, but it's yeah. what, 
we do with that, and if we've guided our body to that ventral vagal, that calm state, it's going to know how to get back quicker. Mm-hmm. But if we've never been there, that's even trickier. And sometimes we need guidance from professionals to help us to get back to that state. But it is such a juggle. And I mean, that's one of my biggest practices is trying to embody what I preach. And I'm sure you feel the same thing. It's like, yeah. we have to take care of ourselves. And especially, you know, as a mom, you are, if, if you're not doing okay, then everything else around you is going to fall apart. And so mm-hmm. it's for self-care first. And that's so hard as moms to prioritize. Yeah. If you do, if you can't operate with a full cup, then everyone yeah. around you is, is it's going to be hard for them. So absolutely. It's so true. It's yes, definitely a, a learning process and a journey <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> Life um, is a journey. That is for sure. <laughs> yes. So true. Um, so speaking of the prefrontal cortex that you mentioned, so I, I remember learning about that in anatomy back in, you know, the day. Um, so it's been a while, but I, I think it's interesting to talk about the prefrontal cortex because if I remember correctly, ironically, isn't it like around age 25 or something that it's like fully developed or yeah. what is, yeah. What is kind of the, I don't know. Can you speak a little bit more on the prefrontal cortex? Cause I think it's interesting. Yeah, no, they say that because when we're thinking about teens and things like that and how many teens will make decisions, you know, that we right. as adults would not make because their prefrontal cortex is not fully exactly. developed. Yeah. And, you know, I do some work too with uh, TBI patients. And so seeing that part of the brain and that, that executive functioning, um, and they're not able to inhibit or to process that. But if you think about, and we can talk more about this with relationships, but, you know, think of a situation where you and your partner or your loved one get in an argument and you feel heated in the body. You say things you didn't mean to say, maybe you storm off, maybe you just freeze depending on what your typical nervous system state goes into. And that's just showing you again, we're in that survival brain, that brainstem, we just cut off that communication. And so one, you know, there's reflexes to reintegrate that, but a great tool that I teach my clients is just a walking meditation and getting outside and that it's called automatic gate reflex. And when we get out and do that movement, and then we're doing cross lateral eye movement, just like you would in like an EMDR, that's really, really good to get the brain back online. That's great to do with your kids too. Like mm-hmm. when my son, you know, was in a more dysregulated state, I would just say, let's go, we're going for a walk. And then he would start to deactivate. And so Mm -hmm. it's finding those little tools with your kids, with yourself, but it is so interesting how we really just, when we cut off that connection, it's just a total disconnect with our brains and our bodies. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes me feel good and validated that you're like, go out, go outside for a walk. Cause I always say that. And I always do that. (laughs) And I agree. I think it's so, so healing and it's, it's free and you can do it anywhere at any time and it can just make such a huge difference. So yeah, I always preach that too. (laughs) Like that is one thing that the more we can connect with nature. And when I see a lot of my teens, you know, I'm so encouraging to get out because we're so on our devices Mm -hmm. and that's just causing even more anxiety and just, getting out in nature and even coming up with a list of your self-care, whether it be a walk or like I found many years ago when I was struggling, I bought a pedal board and I get out on the lake because I love water. Just any of those things to connect with nature. There's actually, this is really amazing, but there's the earth sends out a frequency and our bodies are made up of frequency. And so that's why they talk about like grounding and walking barefoot. And the more that we can connect with the earth and just hear the birds and things like that, it's so healing. It's Mm -hmm good for our bodies. Absolutely. And that's the problem these days with our 
society is so many people are spending all day every day inside sitting down behind a freaking computer screen and it's you know it's tough it's like yeah I there need to be better just policies (laughs) for I know you know some workplaces try to to implement those things but you know it's easier said than done you know I work with so many individuals who are like yeah I just sit at a desk all freaking day and I'm like get outside you know if you can even get outside for five or ten minutes for a walk or even just some fresh air it can be such a game changer. So really yeah. go outside and put on your headphones and do some type of like visualization or meditation or, or something, listen to a podcast or listen to the, just to the birds and, yeah. and connect, but it's so hard. And, and one thing I want to be mindful of too, when we're in a very dysregulated nervous system, a lot of people talk about meditation and we can talk about tools a little bit more, but when we're really, really dysregulated to go sit down and be quiet is almost impossible. And a lot yeah. of people, myself included, like just total silent meditation can still be a struggle. And so, so much of what I try to help people embody is that meet yourself where you are and see what fits for you. There is no one size fits all approach. It's what works for you and in your life and, and don't try to set up. And I'm sure you do this when you work with people uh, with meal plans and things like that, that, you know, what's going to work for you. You want to set them up for success. And it's the same thing with all these tools and self-care. Like, can you add self-care in every day? If not, okay, once a week or at the worst once a month, but what (laughs) doing to like plan that in and, and mm-hmm. speaking to that. And it's hard because that's always going to be the last thing to, or the first thing to go right. and the last thing on the list. And it really needs to change. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And kind of like redefining what self-care is and what it can look like. Cause I think, yeah, oftentimes we're like, oh, it's a massage or a facial or, you know, all these fancy things. And it's like, it can be so simple. Like you said, whether it's a quick guided meditation or yeah, sitting outside and listening to the birds, you know, it can be something as small as that. It doesn't have to be expensive either. Like you said, sometimes, I mean, in the past I'd go for a massage and because my nervous system was so dysregulated, I couldn't even find calm. So Mm -hmm. Yeah, what is that? Is it, you know, taking a moment to to really inhale your morning coffee? Is it, you know, connecting with a friend? Is it like you said, a walk outside, a nourishing meal, you know, just trying to find those things and making that list. So when you are in a, a more activated or dysregulated state, you can go to your list and like, oh, okay, that's one thing I can do in this moment to help me. Exactly. Yes. I love that idea. Just having having a go-to list is it's a good idea. Okay. So like we've talked about a little bit and touched on, you know, birth trauma and just trauma as moms and postpartum and all the things that kind of go into that. What other things can you speak on as far as birth trauma or, you know, any other things that people can, you know, of course we have birth plans, you know, people like to <laughs> to try to create a birth plan, which I think is it's good to have an idea of what you want and have some of that written down and communicated with your provider, but a lot of times as we know, stuff does not go according to plan. So, you know, what does that process of healing look like for moms? I know, for example, you know, sometimes I hear on social media, for example, that people have trouble initially connecting with their baby. And I know that happens sometimes even if they didn't necessarily have a traumatic birth. So, yeah, I just I think this is a a really, again, of course, a sensitive topic, but something that a lot of women will really resonate with. Um, So if you wanted to maybe share more on your personal experience, if you feel comfortable or anything else, you know, on this topic. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think the first thing is, again, coming to all of these situations with compassion and self-love and really meeting yourself where you are and not pushing away whatever feelings. I think, you know, so many moms 
come with so much guilt and we're doing the best that we can and continuing to tell yourself that I'm doing the best that I can. I do a lot of work with new moms postpartum because a lot of times whatever happened in that birth. And if you really think of birth and what happens to the body, that is a pretty, it's a beautiful thing, but it is very traumatic. And a lot of times you don't have any control and there is no predictability and that can send the body into that state. So I really think a lot of times that's what's shifting and and that disconnect when the baby is born with the mom. In my experience, I went through infertility for three years and um, because my body was in such a dysregulated state. And so my daughter was conceived by IVF. So with that said, um, my body was still using all its energy to survive. And so I had a really a lot of complications with my pregnancy and went into labor at 25 weeks. Oh my gosh. So I was put on bed rest and was in the hospital for three months mm. to just try to keep her inside. So if we think about the stress in utero, you know, yeah. and what she went through just to try to keep this baby in there. And then the three years of infertility and loss and is this baby, you know, am I really going to have this baby? So then when she yeah. arrived, I did have that connection, but the night that I came home, my body went into a nervous system state where if you think about, again, an animal in the wild would shake. And if we think about a panic attack and in that shaking, and I was physically like on the floor and didn't know if I was having a seizure, didn't know what was going on in my body, but it was the release of that cortisol and adrenaline. And if you you follow some things they do talk about with the nervous system that one thing to do is to shake. And if you think of like your dog, it'll shake sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, to shake off the stress. And so that's one thing, but the body was for, for myself and maybe other women have experienced this. It was doing that on its own to try to release the cortisol and adrenaline that it had been holding onto since, you know, week 25 when I went on bed rest with my daughter. Um, And so you just think about, you're already coming into this situation. And then, you know, I had so much fear and anxiety. Like I finally got her into this world. Can I keep her alive? I wouldn't sleep. So I just stare at her as she breathing, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and I didn't know how to bring my nervous system back. I struggled with getting enough nutrition and I was trying to nurse and nursing was not going well because my nervous system state again was just Mm -hmm. trying to survive. And so, you know, I really, really encourage women to find their supports, whether that be a doula or someone that does the work that I do to really help shift and guide the nervous system back into balance. Because again, it's not a mind over matter all the time you know, and a lot of people come into me and they're like, I've learned all these things. I have all my tools, but I just can't shift this. I can't do this. And they feel like failures. And that's not the case. Sometimes the body just needs a guide, whether that be, you know, starting off with some yoga, but it's so important to find those anchors in your life that can help you create safety and the help to guide the nervous system. And I don't know if that answered all the questions. So if there's more on that, please let me know. But yeah, no, I think that was great. And I think Again, even even for those who haven't necessarily had a traumatic birth experience, I think everyone can relate to that on some level of, you know, having the anxiety of, yeah, watching to make sure baby is breathing and and just having difficulty nourishing your own body because you're trying to figure out how the heck to, yeah, keep this child alive and all the things. I mean, it's a lot to juggle for sure. And I feel like, you know, when I see new moms, I always tell them, I'm like, you know, nobody tells you what to expect. Like you hear certain stories, but like you really don't know. And I'm sure you can really resonate Mm -hmm. with this until you have a baby. You're like, 
what just happened to my body? Yeah. And what are all these hormones that I'm feeling? And yes. why am I crying? Or the, I mean, it's just yes. all born. And a lot of <laughs> yeah. times our partners have no idea what's going on. And so they don't know how to meet our needs. And then we just feel frustrated and like a failure. And just to remind yourself you're doing your best and, you know, to not put too much pressure on yourself, whether it be laundry or keeping the house clean or yeah. nursing or, you know, do the best you can with what you have. And if you need to let other things go, that's okay. Yeah. And give yourself that permission. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Gosh, that was so, that was just really great. I, I loved all of that. Okay, quick break to talk about the prenatals that I've been taking and loving for years. Full Well Fertility, formerly known as Full Circle Prenatal. These are formulated by a fellow registered dietitian who is passionate about women's health and wanted to create a supplement that was evidence-based, effective, and high quality. They didn't cut any corners with these prenatals. They use third-party independent testing for harmful contaminants such as heavy metals on every single batch produced. And these supplements provide optimal doses and bioavailable forms of nutrients to support women before, during, and after pregnancy. I can honestly say I've never felt nauseous from taking these and I feel really good about all the research that Ayla has done to create such an incredible product. If you're in the market for prenatals, you can use my affiliate code wellness for the win to get 10% off your purchase. Okay, back to the show. Actually, I'm going to skip to a couple of questions that my followers submitted. Um, We kind of touched on a lot of them already because a lot of them kind of overlapped, but First of all, someone asked, how how do you know if you've recovered from trauma? Or is it even possible to fully recover from certain big traumas like you mentioned? You know, what are some thoughts you can share on that? Well, I think one way to notice if you have recovered, and, and I hate to even use that word because our life, we're continuously going to have different traumas and stressors mm-hmm. into our life. Yeah. I think where we really start to see healing is what I spoke about before is number one is, is noticing and noticing like where in the body you feel your stress and noticing when that stress comes on and maybe starting to identify what states you're in other areas, depending on the type of trauma, like if it was, you know, a sexual abuse trauma, maybe whenever you are being intimate with a partner, it would be that you're not having that same visceral reaction. I know Mm. a lot of women experience this. This is another area I work extensively with, with women Mm. and other individuals, but when you start to notice that that reaction isn't as intense Mm -hmm. and it starts to even dissipate, or if it's, you know, a family member that maybe you had really difficult relationship with maybe toxic relationship. And once you start creating better boundaries, and those are reflexes that we work on too with the MNRI, that when they come and say something that normally would totally trigger you and maybe send you upside down, maybe it triggers you for an hour and then you bounce back. So it's mm-hmm. looking for that rebound. Cause again, yeah, we're not going to be living, not having any of these reactions. We still have triggers. We're humans, right? right, right. It's just how do we rebound back out of that? Mm-hmm. And, and it'll become quicker and quicker where maybe if we were triggered, it would take a day or a week or a month, or maybe we've never come out of that. But then if you see the the trigger happens, but then you notice and you start to shift back out. Yeah. And again, just reminding everyone that like healing is not linear. It's three steps forward, two steps back. We have good days and bad days. And I think a lot of times that's something I really try to remind my clients is, you know, that are, they're really healing and they're doing amazing jobs. And then they might come in and, and are just really having a difficult day and that that's normal. And, yeah. and 
it feels like you're failing and it feels like I'm back to square one. Like I thought I was there and that's just part of the process. But Mm -hmm. to remember that we have to take time to reflect at how far we've come and be proud of ourselves and celebrate that. And that, and to honor and hold space that, okay, I'm having a tough day. I'm going to use some tools, maybe journal about it, get more curious about what's coming up Mm -hmm. and then tomorrow's going to be better. Yeah. I love all of that. And there's just so much overlap in what we do with people. You know, I, I'm like, yes, I hear that all the time from people that they're like, oh, I fell off the wagon. I was doing so great and all these things, you know, whether it's with their their diet or exercise or all of the above. And so, yeah, I love that you're just like, you know, approach of compassion and encouraging people to have self-compassion because that's huge. And just, you know, there's so much self-guilt and, and shaming ourselves and just all of this like negative energy wow. and social media just feeds it, I feel like, unfortunately. It can be an amazing and encouraging place, but I think it just breeds so much comparison and just makes it really hard for people to, to celebrate themselves and focus on the good that they're doing in their lives. Um, So yeah. And that's so much of like the programs that I offer. And when I work one-on-one with clients is it's reframing and mindset that we have to come at ourselves with compassion and that we create a relationship our bodies to work together instead of working against each other. And the more we do that and believing in yourself and finding hope and talking positively and thanking our bodies for everything it does instead of picking them apart, which is what, you know, I mean, that's what we were taught. That's what we've yeah. been around. But yeah. I really think if we can start to shift this and for our, our children, we can start to shift for them, then we're really going to make change. But it's about that compassion for self that like, we have to have that. We have to shift that. And we have yeah. to have that self-loving talk because mm-hmm. our bodies are listening to us. Our bodies are so powerful, whether that be that you wake up in the morning and say, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired, or mm-hmm. I'm depressed or all these things. And we may be feeling that, but the more you say it, you're telling your body or I'm sick, or I have you know, a certain ailment within my body. Well, if we can push against that and shift it into the positive. Like I talk about, I am statements all the time, but you may not feel that, but if you continue to speak that truth and you sit and you feel that you can start to shift that within the body and then your body, your mind, your spirit, they all connect. And that's where you can thrive. Yeah. We have to start shifting the mindset and Mm -hmm. be kind and compassionate with ourselves and have grace. I completely agree. I think positive self-talk is so powerful. And yeah, I mean, not only do our bodies and our brains hear what we say about ourselves, but guess what? So do our children. So I think think there's no bigger motivator for a lot of women than realizing, okay, now I have a child and I don't want to have this effed up relationship with food and exercise in my body anymore. And, you know, I, I think obviously I love, I love when people get to that place where they want to, you know, heal their relationship with food and their body, but also I don't want it to, I don't want it to have to get to that point where you're like, because you have a child, now you want to focus on that. Like, I want you to focus on it right here, right now, you know, and it's hard again, it's hard for, for so many reasons. Um, I'd love to hear more about the I am statements. Yeah. Yeah. Real quick though too. And then bring me back to that. But yeah, (laughs) some of the things that I help with new moms too, or or just any moms, my children are 11 and 12, Mm -hmm. um, is that, and it took me so many years and so many people telling me, and I finally realized this though, that if you don't prioritize yourself, they're going to be the ones like we talked about as those co-regulators. And so trying to make that shifts. And sometimes we have to frame it that, okay, I'm going to do it for my child, for the, for the parent to really do it, especially if we're yeah. more in the 
fawn response and we're people pleasers, we're going to do everything for our children and abandon ourselves. And so thinking about, well, if I do these self-care items for myself, it's going to benefit my children. So framing it in that way can help to sometimes shift people out. But I hear you when I had my daughter, I was like, okay, I can't talk about the word diet or scale or anything like that because I don't want her to grow up with that and just helping her to learn, like, love your body and your body is beautiful. And look at how strong you are and what your body does for you every day. Cause our bodies are so fascinating. They are. They are. They're incredible yeah. machines. And they can heal. I truly believe if you can guide them. And, and so the I am statement. So this is one thing, the greatest tool. And I wake up probably an hour, hour and a half before my kids even wake up. And I remember someone talking about this when my kids are little and I was in that nervous system state and so exhausted. And it was like, they were coming in to wake me up. And it was like, to wake up an hour before, are you crazy? Yeah. Like there's that <laughs> not happening. Yeah. And now it's like, I have shifted that. And I look forward to that time. And mm-hmm. I sit and I write, I am statements. And it started off with maybe, you know, three to five a day. And I didn't feel them. I didn't believe them. Like, it was like, this is ridiculous, <laughs> but I kept doing it. And now I'm up to like three pages. And honestly, you have the power if you can think of this as prayer, manifestation, whatever your higher power is, but to make these changes in your life. And so some examples, you know, I'll, I'll give for your listeners might be, I am healing. I'm safe. I'm worthy. I am seen. I'm heard. Anything that you're trying to shift. My body is amazing and working for me. Um, I'm full of energy. So anything that you want to try to embody and reframe and then Mm -hmm. sitting with that and visualizing that like it already happened. And so that's a really key piece too, is not only writing it because if you're writing it and then you're saying in your head, I don't believe any of this, that's going to be really hard to shift. (laughs) And so it's about believing that those things are possible Mm -hmm. And, and that's tricky at first. And it may feel really awkward and really strange, but it's a really great tool. One other tool, since we're talking about the I am statements and we can practice this together, but especially if someone's dealing with anxiety or, or something like that. So I don't know if you've ever heard of like EFT tapping. I have. Yeah. Yeah. Someone actually mentioned it to me the other day. So I was curious. I, I I would love to learn more. Yeah. So well, within the MNRI program and the modalities that I use, I've kind of created my own. And so what you basically do is hand over hand over your chest. You would want to ground your, ground your feet. Um, and you take a big inhale And then slowly on your exhale, you're going to tap an I am statement. So example, I am, I am calm. And then you'll keep doing that. So we'll do it again. Big inhale. I am, I am. And as you exhale, just think of your body melting into the surface where you're seated. So we'll do it one more time. Big inhale. Tapping. I am. I am calm. And so what did you notice in your body as we did that? Did you notice... Yeah, it was so it was so calming. Like I literally right. already I'm not kidding, I already feel better. <laughs> like Isn't it amazing and, and powerful? Yes, and it's it's crazy because things like that literally take 10 seconds and they can be so powerful. And it's I, like those are the tools that I myself and and hopefully some of my listeners 
are like, okay, that is so doable and something that I could do literally multiple times per day to just like reset because yeah. yeah. And that's what you're doing. You're resetting and you're releasing that pattern in the body. And that's the thing. I was talking to a client today. These so many things are so simple, but yet so profound. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm so passionate about sharing this information with more people because these little things, and I have clients like in my yoga classes and they're teaching this to their kids. Like their kiddos are like, I don't want to go to school. I'm scared. And she's like, no, we're going to say this. I am statement. And it's like one of my favorite clients. And she's like, and her daughter's like doing this and learning it. And she's six. And I'm like, think about how we can shift and transform our, everyone around us, our parents, Mm -hmm. our children, ourselves, just by doing something so simple. Yeah. But again, that key is noticing when you need to insert that. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's just doing it a couple times a day to start getting and making it more automatic. So then you can say, oh, I feel myself, whether that's in your shoulders, maybe you're clenching your jaw, maybe it's a pit in your stomach. And so once you start to feel yourself tensing up, you go to that I am statement. And it, it is, it's amazing. And that's yeah. you know, another thing to incorporate is breath. Breath mm-hmm. is your greatest tool. Yeah. It's with you everywhere you go. You mm-hmm. always have breath. And if you come from a place of trauma, typically you hold your breath. Mm-hmm. And so like when I went through yoga training, I was like, wait a second, you're supposed to breathe into your belly and you're not yes. supposed to hold your breath. Like, right. And it took me years to figure out how to breathe because mm-hmm. it is automatic, but then it's not. And so yeah. that breath is so, so important. And, and that connects to your vagus nerve, which runs from your brain down to your gut. And when you breathe and take those calming breaths, it instantly shifts your nervous system and yeah. calms your system. It's so powerful. It really is. And that's something I experienced too when I was postpartum and working on my pelvic floor with mm-hmm. a pelvic floor uh, physical therapist. And she literally taught me how to breathe. And I was like, I've never breathed like this. Like I've never expanded my belly. And I'm like, yeah. I just, I didn't realize how much tension. And I still, I have to like intentionally remind myself literally every single day yeah. how to freaking breathe. It's crazy. And it's like, yeah. I, I just am always, and part of me is like, did I, did I subconsciously do that? Because I never wanted to like expand my belly for it. Well, and that's the thing as women, I'm always like, yeah. we're holding our bellies in. So we I'm supposed yeah. to expand my belly. What? Yeah, exactly. Yes. And it's, it, yeah, it's such a me- mental shift. And I uh, think, yeah, I definitely think it's like multifactorial as to why, you know, some of us or many of us don't breathe that way. But yeah, I, it's funny. I learned that about myself just recently, so I'm still working on it. And <laughs> hopefully this is a helpful it reminder for others. Time. It's a practice. And that's yeah. where like, yoga can be so helpful and like visualizations and meditations, because the more you practice that every day, the more automatic it is, but just mm-hmm. catching yourself too. And just big, deep breaths and counting. You can do a box breath, which is, you know, four in, hold for four, four out, hold for four. I mean, there's so many different types of breath, but breath is really, really powerful. Yeah. Awesome. So many, so many good things. Oh my gosh. I feel like, I think we touched on pretty much everything. The one, one last thing that someone did ask about that I thought was kind of interesting to, to touch on as well and kind of unrelated to what we've been talking about, but someone asked about the brain pain connection. So I, I, I do think that this is so interesting because I I remember just seeing different things about basically how, I mean, h- kind of how we all perceive trauma differently. I think we all also perceive pain differently, right? Or have, you know, different pain thresholds for a variety of reasons. Absolutely. I don't know. I'm sure you can speak on this <laughs> more, yeah, you know, better than I can. But A couple parts. So I'll talk about like a pain loop that your body can get stuck in, but then also um, the sensory system. So that is another thing, especially with our kiddos 
might hear about dysregulation of the sensory system that may show up as like sensitivities with food or textures or clothing. Those kiddos are like mm. on the tag or I don't like the way this feels. So that can be either a hypo or a hypersensory system. And so it's about finding that balance with the sensory system and calming it through touch and things like that. So yeah, for sure. People that have different pain thresholds sometimes are in that hyper or hypo. So hypo isn't going to feel much. So they're the, the people that really like deep pressure or need mm. to sleep with like a weighted blanket. Or, you know, if you, you see people or you hear about too, you know, people that have struggled with cutting in the past, they're trying to feel mm. something in their body. So mm. they're doing something really intense because their sensory system is not balanced and it's not sending that message to their brain. Mm. Where on the opposite side, hyper means that we're really sensitive to pain and the littlest things are just so triggering. And mm. so it's, again, finding that balance that, that yeah. place between, and that too can be, you know, traumatic birth, different things like that can, can cause that. Now, if we talk about like a pain loop, and so I see a lot of clients that maybe have radiating pain in the body, and that can be two things. So sometimes when we have trauma, if there's a weak area of the body, the trauma is going to get stuck in that area and the body won't release it because it's protecting it. And so a lot of people that have lower back pain or problems with shoulders or jaw issues, lots and lots of different things. You know, if we think about the gut, again, we're, we're protecting, we're holding, we're constricting that area. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's about getting into the body through integrating these reflexes and telling the body that it's in a safe state. And when it moves into that safe state, then it will start to release that pattern from the body. And so, for example, like my daughter broke her foot and her foot had healed, but she was still having severe, severe pain. And mm. we went back and had an x-rayed and I've had other clients with this too, and they're still getting that pain. And it, and it is, they're getting a pain loop to their brain. So what's happened is though their body is protecting himself from that injury and it won't release that pain. And so there's different patterns you can do the tapping, like we talked about figure eights to release that from that area and telling the body, you know, helping it to find the safety and then releasing that pain out the body. And that's mindfulness, that's tapping, that's integration. So it's multifaceted, but, Mm -hmm. but it is truly, it happens. We, you know, you could go where a lot of times when there's these unexplained medical conditions and doctors are like, there's nothing wrong. And it's so frustrating. Like, I remember I went to so many gastroenterologists and they're like, there's nothing wrong. And I'm like, that's something's wrong because this is debilitating. But, you know, when now I understand it was a dysregulated nervous system that caused all these issues. Mm -hmm. And, and again, how these little simple things can start to shift you out of that nervous system state to find grounding. And in that grounding state, which we talked about all the nervous system states, but we didn't talk about the most beautiful state, which is that ventral vagal or grounding where you're present and you have joy. And those moments where you're like, I just want to soak this up because Mm -hmm. I'm present with my children and I see their smile or I'm present with my partner or my family, or even just myself, Mm -hmm. you know, that our brain isn't off in all these different directions. And that's the goal is that we stay there the majority of the time. We're not going to be there all the time. That's just not life. But the more we can go there and carve out space for Mm self-care and start, you know, releasing any patterns that the body might be holding onto, then that's where we can thrive and our bodies can work for us. And, and, and all the energy that it uses can be for the, the functions it needs to use instead of just surviving. Yeah. 
Yeah, so good. It's such appropriate timing for this conversation because I I happened to like the past couple weeks, I made no time for self-care, like nothing extra besides, you know, I was walking and my normal things. But, you know, anything like outside of the work week and stuff, I just didn't do anything that I was like excited for. So I was like living for the weekend, you know, and then this week, of course, I like doubled up on my self-care and I had a massage the other day and then I had a facial yesterday. But I... Yeah, but I so resonated with what you said about during my massage, I had a very hard time turning my brain off. And I, for half the time, I was like, oh, okay, I need to just stop thinking about all of these things, you know, just like thinking of my to-do list. And it's so hard. Yeah, so yeah, and definitely. Some days are better than others. And that's the thing. It's a practice yeah. and just keep showing up. And the more you create those neuro, new neural pathways towards calm, the more you're going to shift into that quicker. But it's really hard. I always used to say, I need like a three-hour massage by the time yeah. I finally like, settle <laughs> right. in and calm yes. my mind and then really absorb this. this so stuff. true. <laughs> I feel the exact same way. Yeah. 60 <laughs> minutes is definitely not enough. I <laughs> learned my lesson there. Okay. Gosh, so many good things. I think we touched on everything but I know did you want to do another like little exercise like to guide everyone yeah absolutely absolutely okay so before we end and then I'll tell people like where to find me and some yes. classes I have coming up too yes, but, um, wherever you are hopefully not driving listening to this <laughs> we're just gonna do a quick little mindfulness self-care body scan so begin to come to any comfortable shape you that might be lying on your back, maybe seated, or any other shape that your body is calling for. You can choose to keep your eyes open or close them down, your choice. Beginning to come to your breath. Natural inhales and exhales. Breathing in through your nose or mouth as your belly rises, ribs expand, and exhaling through your nose or mouth as your torso lowers and your ribs contract. Continuing with this breath, and if it feels useful, you could always place one hand above your navel maybe one on your heart to help turn a little more inward. Finding a rhythm and pace with your breath as it massages, rising up. And as it lowers, beginning to soften a little bit more into the surface that's supporting you. Maybe noticing the touch points on your sits bones with a chair or a couch. We're noticing the touch points on the backside of your body if you're lying down. As you begin to scan your body, maybe softening your toes the inner and outer edges of your feet. Breathing in and expanding in your calves, 
shins, and thighs. Softening and maybe releasing any tension in your hips, lower back. As you return to the rising and falling of your breath, oxygenating yourselves, calming your nervous system. Coming up to the neck, shoulders and throat. Maybe softening in your jaw, releasing your jaw and facial muscles, opening the mouth slightly and letting your tongue fall to the bottom of your mouth. Softening between your brow. And if you're lying down, noticing the touch points, the connection on the backside of your head. Continuing with your breath, sending your body gratitude for everything it does for you each and every day. Okay, that was so relaxing. I was just thinking, of course, me like not being able to shut my brain off during it. But I was thinking I need to like literally like replay this to myself every day because that was so, again, just so helpful and so simple, you know, to really just like, get, again, get in touch with our bodies and like reconnect to them and pay attention to them. And again, show them gratitude, I think is so huge. So thank you for walking us through that. I think that was awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and so that with that said, I would love for you to join us. So right now, like I told you, we're doing a 22 uh, opportunities. And so what it is, it's all on your own time. And it's just an email each morning. And it will have growth questions that talk about intention, growth writing, I am statements, how to do that. And it just titrates them in a little bit every day. And then it has a 10 or 15 minute guided meditation that's paired with the questions from the morning, like we just did. I think we did two or three minutes, but yeah. this would be longer. And it talks about the nervous system. And so the goal is, is they say you can shift and create new habits in, in 21 days. Mm -hmm. And so we bumped it to 22, mm -hmm. but it's about creating a community where we can all grow together and knowing that there are other people doing this and committing to that. And we start, we did one, you know, we're in one right now where we started it for back to school, yeah. but we're going to do them every month because I think this is just a really great reset. It's something fun to do with a friend or a partner. If you want to grow with your yeah. significant other, but it's just getting in that practice. And again, it doesn't have to be long. Maybe it's five minutes, but we can find yeah. five minutes where we put away our social media and we focus on ourselves. And so yeah. I really, I would love for you to join us in the next one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then we're going to do, I'm going to, starting in October, I'm going to do a class where it's going to be live, but we'll also have it taped. And we're going to be doing more of this where we learn about how to do breath work, you know, more about the nervous system, working on those IN statements, but it'll be more collaborative. And so people can ask more questions and that's going to be for eight weeks. Awesome. Yeah. And, and I see people in my studio in Kansas and then also in California have a yoga studio, but then do the one-on-one -on -one integrated sessions. Um, if people are struggling to really integrate that back into their bodies. And then I don't know if you want me to talk about Instagram or yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, please do. Oh. Tell us all the places. Okay. So, <laughs> and I will link everything in the show notes so people can easily like click them and find you. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. And yeah. I know you were talking about before, if we are hopping on social media, like trying to find those platforms that are encouraging and that are feeding your brain with good, healthy things. And so I really try to do that every day. And also just to be gentle and compassionate with yourself to remind yourself, like we are going to have hard days and, and I see you and hear you and that you're, you're valued. Yeah. So the two Instagram handles, one of them, is Andrea Arlotti, A-R-L-O-T-T-I, healing. And then the other one is Infinite Possibilities Heal. And then the website, if you want to read more about different services or testimonials, because I know some for some people, this can be more out of the box. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just to read a little bit more about that, or I have a lot of videos if they want to do some breath work on there too, uh, that's infinitepossibilitieshealing.com. And so feel free, anyone can contact me with any questions. I am so passionate about this and I really just want to bring the message and to empower women that there are so many things out there and that you deserve to thrive and choose yourself and create healthy boundaries. And that when you do that, we're going to make shifts for everyone around us because as those co-regulators, as we heal and grow, it'll start to shift everyone around us. So. So true. I love that. And like I said, I think we have just so many similar viewpoints on all of this. And so I, I really love and appreciate your perspective. And I think this will be super helpful for people. So yeah, I really hope they We get a part two so we can talk yeah. about 800 more things. It's, right. I know. There's so many amazing <laughs> things out there. And like, yeah. I love everything you're doing. And oh, thank you. so grateful. I think the more that we can share beautiful messages with one another and share our stories so that people don't feel alone. I think there's mm-hmm still such a disconnect after we were all kind of locked down and we're all Mm -hmm. trying to find different ways to connect. And I just love the message that you're sending out to all your listeners and connecting and, and helping people to feel seen and heard for their journeys. Thank you so much. That means a lot. And that is my goal with this show. So I hope I hope that comes through and resonates. And I'm grateful to connect with people like you who have, you know, a similar passion for, you know, a lot of the same things and just encouraging women to to care for themselves. So thank you again. Oh, you're so welcome. It was honored to yeah. be here. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode and took away some tips or wisdom that you can apply to boost your health and happiness starting today. If you did, I would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and review to help other women like you find my show and get inspired to start living a life they love. Also, take a quick screenshot and share it to your Instagram stories. Be sure to tag me at wellness for the win so I can see why you love today's show. Thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time.